Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. Want to welcome all of our viewers and followers from around the world. Thank you for tuning in tonight. All of you guys on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Whether it's a good evening or a good morning to you, thank you for being here. If you are joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, as always, please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. Also visit our news site, deadtalknews.com. If you're on YouTube right now, thank you for visiting us on YouTube. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. We all go by the same name of Dead Talk Live. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, it would be greatly appreciated if you do so. And if you're there right now, the good old thumbs up button would be also appreciated. Want to welcome John Victor Santos, who's joining us on Instagram, Yanil is also with us. Yuria is joining us on Instagram. Imperator, welcome to all you guys on Instagram. We got Philip Thompson on Facebook. Of course, we have our great moderators, Khaleesi, Singer Chick, and Saz. Uh, we, let's see, who else do we have here? Uh, Sammy is with us. Kevin is with us on Facebook. Lisa is with us. Welcome, welcome. I hope everyone's enjoying their evening. It's Wednesday, no, Thursday. It's Thursday evening here on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, every day just kind of blends in together. So I hope everyone is doing well, and let's just get right to it, and let's get to some news, as we always do. I love sharing the news with you guys, and this first one here today, I got to tell you, I had a little bit of a dilemma whether to talk about this or not. I mean, it's nobody's business how much money stars, actors make. But, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of 50-50. Yay, you know, 50 for the pros and 50 for the cons. But let's just quickly go through it. This is about the Walking Dead cast. And if you don't already know, Norman Reedus, who portrays Daryl on The Walking Dead... Uh, by last account, is the highest paid actor on television. Uh, from what I've heard and read, I believe he is making somewhere in the neighborhood of $1 million per episode. And he deserves it. He deserves it. Uh, he has been on this show from the very beginning. Uh, from all accounts, from what we've read, the people that I've spoken to on this show... He is a very dedicated, hardworking actor who is a huge part of the success of The Walking Dead. So this article starts off by saying there is no denying that The Walking Dead is one of the most popular shows to ever hit television thanks to twisting storylines, epic action, and creepy zombie-like creatures. The series has earned critical acclaim, its fair share of industry awards, uh, minus the Emmys, but that's a whole other topic, and countless fans. Granted, one of the other aspects of the show that makes it so watchable is the stellar acting from its rather sizable and incredibly talented cast. Amen to that. As Insider noted, the Walking Dead cast may be covered in blood, dirt, and guts while fending off zombies, herds, and the apocalypse. And just think of that. Imagine going to work, uh, waking up at all hours of the day, sometimes working through the night, 
covered in fake blood, people spraying you with uh, fake sweat. A lot of the times it's real sweat working in that Georgia heat. Day, night, cold at night, extremely hot during the day. So, yeah, if anyone thinks that it's a joy ride for these actors, you are seriously mistaken. They work very hard under some pretty harsh circumstances to bring us uh, The Walking Dead. On top of that, Insider pointed out that in real life, they clean up pretty well. Ain't that the truth? Which may be because the cast members are, are doing pretty darn well for themselves. Frankly, some of these actors have the kind of inevitable fortunes that most people would be thrilled to have. And yet there are others who have a decent amount of money in the bank, but, but quite possibly a lot less than you expected. Read on to find out who is who and exactly how much the stars of The Walking Dead are worth. Now, I did a little personal research on this a while back. Not on the cast, but the people behind the camera, the executive producers, and so on. I'm not going to reveal any names or numbers if you guys want to look it up. Uh, but you'll be surprised. Many people think that, you know, the uh, Scott Gimples, Greg Nicotero's are worth this, you know, tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. That's not the case. Uh, there's only actually one executive producer on The Walking Dead who has a net worth that's up there. And that is because it is definitely deserved. And this particular person has been in the industry for a very, very long time. And I'm sure that money has been accumulated over the years. Deny Guerrero performance as the katana carrying Michonne on The Walking Dead is a cut above the rest. Before she was slicing up zombies, Guerrero got her start on the stage in a two-woman play called In the Contin Continuum. Sorry, there's two U's there. In the Continuum. Never, never heard of that. Sorry, Continuum. Anyway, I move on which she started and co-wrote while earning rave reviews. She told Rolling Stone, I believe in creating my own opportunities. Again, I totally agree with that philosophy as well. Since then, Guerrero has had roles in The Visitor, Mother of George, and of course played Okoye in the leader of Wakanda's King Army in Marvel's Black Panther. Oh man, was she kick-ass in that. The film became the third highest grossing film domestically of all time, according to Time, and earned over $700 million domestically, as well as $1.3 billion worldwide. Beyond that, Guerrero has worked on the HBO miniseries Americana, with Entertainment Weekly noting that the Tony-nominated playwright not only worked on the script for the series, she would also be acting as the showrunner for the project. As if Guerrera, uh, sorry, as if Guerrera's acting gigs haven't kept her busy enough, she has also created Love Our Girls, a website which Guerrera says helps to give a voice to women and girls across the world, and is the co-founder of Almasi Arts Alliance. 
We're talking about what's on the horizon, Guerrero told the LA Times. I have a lot of things I want to get to. It's about what's sitting most prominently on my heart at the time. Following her heart is what earned Guerrero $4 million, according to Celebrity Net Worth. All right. Lauren Cohen, Maggie, the Walking Dead cast member, urged AMC to pay the woman. Uh, when Lauren Cohen's uh, character, Maggie, turned up on the second season of The Walking Dead, the farm girl turned hilltop boss quickly became a fan favorite for her to take control kind of attitude. Granted, Cohen has also earned fans thanks to the roles in Young Alexander the Great, Casanova, Van Wilder 2, Rise of the Taj, Mile 22, which I personally loved her in, and Whiskey Cavalier. In 2018, during contract negotiations with AMC regarding her future with The Walking Dead, The Hollywood Reporter claimed that Cohen was actively looking for her next job and not trying to use the pilot casting process to force AMC's hand as the actress camp remained frustrated by AMC's lowball offers. It came to a point where fellow cast member Kari Payton, who plays Ezekiel on The Walking Dead, took to Instagram to post, Pay the woman! Cohen cleared up the situation with Andy Cohen and Radio Andy saying, In a time of parody in the industry and in my show, it wasn't actually that I was asking more, it's just my contract finished. So that's pretty standard renegotiation. When talking about her future endeavors, Cohen told, uh, It's time for me to explore comedy and happier fare. Although acting seems to be the main source of income for Cohen, she has been a part of many The Walking Dead panels at conventions like Comic-Con in order to boost her fortune to $4 million. Christian Serratos, the lovely Rosita, from a vampire movie to a zombie show. While some Disney stars become pop singers, Christian Serratos went on to play the role of former soldier Rosita Espinosa on The Walking Dead. After starting her career with roles on Nickelodeon's show Zoe 101, as well as Disney's Hannah Montana, I never knew she was on Hannah Montana, and Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, she also spent time on the series The Secret Life of the American Teenager and the popular Twilight Saga films. Wait, hold up. She was in Twilight? Does anybody know who she played in Twilight? Yes, I have seen the Twilight movies. I'm not a big fan of sparkling zombies, but I'll, I'll admit, I've seen the Twilight movies. I mean, yeah, I'm... Let's just leave it at that. Uh, does anybody know who she played? Well, hold on. In Twilight, Serratos played Angela Weber. Don't know who Angela Weber is. The spectacle-wearing teenager who was friends with the main moody vampire lover, Bella. All right. So she must have been one of the uh, girls in the first movie when, uh, you know, Bella was giving all the love eyes to vampire Eddie and her friends that were sitting around her. Did not know that was her. 
Uh, Lisa writes, yeah, she was a friend of Bella. Uh-oh, Khaleesi also writes the same thing. Didn't know that. Did not know that she was in Twilight. But anyway, according to Forbes, the franchise included five movies in four years with a combined budget of $373 million, which earned a total of $3.341 billion worldwide. You guys fess up. Obviously, we have a lot of Twilight. At least you guys have seen Twilight. How many diehard Twilight fans do we have watching right now? You know? Remember the, uh, you know, some of the younger generation watching. And it's sad to say this. Twilight is a little past their time. But you guys remember the whole uh, Team Edward and Team Jacob stuff that was going on at the time? Oh, my God. Sparkling vampires. That's all I have to say. Sparkling vampires. Uh, anyway, Edward, uh, Robert Pattinson, he's going to be the new Batman. And that's going to be a real test for Robert. Uh, because he has been, you know, really pigeonholed and made a lot of money off the Twilight movies. Let's see if fans can put him aside, his role as Edward aside, and see him as the new Dark Knight. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a feat. Uh, I, I don't know how many of you guys have watched the trailer. I think there's only been one or two teasers that have come out. I'm not even sure they're done filming yet. But anyway, for some reason, Robert Pattinson. They like to portray him in a very pale manner. If you've seen the teaser trailer for The Batman, uh, Robert Pattinson is even more pale in The Batman than he was as a vampire in Twilight. So imagine that. I mean, the, the dude, they made him look even more pale as The Batman than he was as a vampire. Why they chose to went to go that way, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, beyond that, Serratos took on the role of Selena, Kentia, sorry, Kentia Nila, totally butchered that, uh, who Oprah Magazine noted remains not only one of the most beloved, but was also one of the most successful Mexican-American artists to date. In Selena the series, which was released last year, Serratos both acted in the show while also acting as a producer. And I have watched it, and she was amazing. I mean, Christian Serratos is an amazing actress. Uh, that's why I bitch and moan a lot on here on why she has not been given a bigger, more leading storyline in The Walking Dead. So... Uh, Pinga is with us on Facebook. Not a big fan of Ben Affleck as a Batman. And I will have to agree with you. Batman, and I see what they were going with, with the Justice League movies. They wanted to portray Batman in his latter years. You know, towards the end, when the Batman is coming to the end. And I think that's why they went with Ben Affleck to do that. Uh, I personally didn't agree with it. I didn't think he was a spectacular Batman. He wasn't the worst Batman either. Uh, but they could have done better. 
I mean, Ben Affleck is an amazing actor, but as far as portraying the Batman, no, no. I personally really liked Christian Bale in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies uh, by far, and I don't think this new Batman series is going to surpass what Christopher Nolan did in the three Batman movies that he put together, which were just beyond amazing. Uh, but yeah, we have seen so many actors portray Batman over the years. Uh, ben Affleck was not the worst. He definitely wasn't the best. I know there was a lot of criticism against Christian Bale. Uh, his Batman voice sucked. That's the only criticism I have for Christian Bale. I liked how they went with the voice changing feature in Justice League, where Batman doesn't have to change his voice on his own. It's actually a, a device that's built into the bat suit that sort of, you know, surrounds his vocal cords. So he can speak normally and it automatically changes the tone of his voice. I like that idea. I think they got that the the I think they got that absolutely correct. And I wish they would have done that. I wish Christopher Nolan would have thought of that for his movies. It would have taken away any criticism uh, that Bale received for his Batman voice. And CC Weezy, I am going to have to agree with you on who was the worst Batman. Uh, there seems to be a consensus going on on the chats over there that Val Kilmer was uh, the least liked Batman. And also, don't forget George Clooney. George Clooney put on the bad suit. So I love George Clooney, one of the best actors around. But again, uh, to be Batman, I don't know, man. You just got to have something about you to, to pull off Batman. Christian Bale did it. I really liked Christian Bale, minus the voice. Uh, and Michael Keaton. This is going way back to the 90s. But Michael Keaton, when he was announced to that he was going to be playing Batman, oh my God, the cries of like, what the hell are they thinking? But Michael Keaton was a pretty badass Batman. Uh, he was great. And he was great as Bruce Wayne as well. So anyway, we got way sidetracked on that. When it comes uh, to roles that will present a challenge in surely significant paychecks, such as telling the Selena story, Serrato's told the LA Times, there was that moment where I, where I thought, do I want this pressure? Apparently the answer was yes, and it definitely seems to have paid off. How much exactly? According to Celebrity Net Worth, Serrato's has a cool $2 million. Uh, Josh McDermott says the Walking Dead cast can't even grasp how big it is. Josh McDermott, who plays the mullet-clad, smarty-pants Eugene Porter on The Walking Dead, but before he joined the realm of the undead, he actually worked primarily in comedy, making appearances on Make a Hot Girl Laugh and Retired at 35 while also becoming a semi-finalist on Last Comic Standing. In an interview with Vibe, McDermott recalled his early struggles and how he didn't work for 18 months. 
until he told his agent to start sending him out for stuff on the dramatic side. He added, The Walking Dead was literally the first thing I went out for. When McDermott talked to Icon versus Icon about The Walking Dead and its impact on the world, he explained, We think we understand the magnitude of it, and then we really don't. It's such a huge show and has such a huge fan base. It's rabid and crazy. That's why it's not surprising that McDermott's income is mainly generated from acting. But if gigs dry up, he could always fall back on being a hot air balloon pilot. He explained to Vibe, a lot of people think it's fake, but that's a real thing. A lot of families have like a boat or a trailer or whatever. We are a weird family. We have, we had a hot air balloon. With a net worth of $4 million, he can probably afford to keep his head out of the clouds. All right. Father Gabriel, Seth Gilliam, would make a lot more if his Walking Dead character was nicer. Don't know what they mean about with that. Seth plays the role of Father Gabriel Stokes on The Walking Dead, but you might also recognize him from his stints on shows like Oz, The Wire, and Teen Wolf. Beyond that, he's had a successful career in theater with credits that include The Maids, Girl Gone, and King Lear. According to the University of Houston, Gilliam's first love is the stage, and the works of Shakespeare factor significantly into his resume. In fact, back in 1990, his first professional role, just after graduating from State University of New York at Purchase, was playing Prince Edward and Richard III, opposite Denzel Washington, as the title character. Wow. Um, no big deal, no stranger to the big screen either. Gilliam had parts in production such as The People versus Larry Frank. Did you hear about the Morgans and the great new Wonderful? While Gilliam clearly makes his money through his various acting roles, he's also been known to be on panels for Comic-Con. However, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, he noted as far as conventions go, I would be making a lot more money out of them if I was a lovable character. All right. That's what he thinks about it. But I get some uh, great conversations out of it. I could talk about acting all day long. So for me, it's all right. Lovable character or not, Gilliam has earned $1.5 million according to Celebrity Net Worth. Stephen Yen has stayed busy since leaving The Walking Dead. Stephen Yen is known for his role as Glenn Ree on The Walking Dead, and in 2016, Forbes made an estimated guess that he was taking in $60,000 an episode. While that isn't the kind of payday that anyone is likely eager to leave behind, he has been able to stay busy after his Walking Dead role came to a swinging and in season seven. Since then, he's had parts in Okja, Sorry to Bother You, and Mayhem, and voice work on Three Below, Tales of Arcadia, Final Space, Wizards, and Tuca and Birdie. 
Yen also earned a claim for his work as Jacob in 2020's Minari, with Insider noting that he nabbed the Best Actor, Actor nomination at the 2021 SAG Awards. He told Complex, I'm happy that I personally am not boxed into a stereotypical understanding of the things that I can be. And we did a whole article the other day on how uh, Yen did not put up a fight when he found out that Glenn was dying. He actually wanted to go out and start pursuing other things. And he was a kind of actor on The Walking Dead, uh, whether it's the way he portrayed Glenn, that he did not box himself into a particular type of, uh, you know, character who would only be cast for certain roles. He's very diverse, and what he's done since The Walking Dead proves that. According to Deadline, the star signed a first-look deal with Amazon Studios in 2020, noting that under the pact, Yen will work with the studio to develop and produce television series targeted for premiere ex exclusively on Amazon Prime Video in more than 200 countries and territories around the world. The actor-producer explained, I feel very fortunate and privileged in these times to be given an opportunity to tell more stories. With more work on the horizon and more stories to tell, it looks like Yen will have no trouble adding to his fortune, which sits at around $4 million. So you're kind of seeing the pattern here one and a half, two to four million dollars. I mean, he was Glenn for over six years on The Walking Dead, a uh, major character on the show. And I'm sure a lot of people thought that he racked up tens and tens of millions of dollars. That is just not the case. Uh, also, there's a big misconception out there, and I've mentioned this before, that just because you're an actor and you've appeared in a movie, that you're automatically rich. You're not. Uh, a very small uh, group of actors uh, fall into the insanely rich category. I mean, literally, there's not a lot of them. The majority of all the great actors that are out there are living from project to project. So... Keep that in mind. Let's see. Sonequa Martin-Green. Uh, this is a long list. Uh, damn, we're already 30 minutes into this. Let's see if we can cut this a little bit. I don't want to... I don't want this to take up the entire show. But Sasha, we all know, Sasha on The Walking Dead, estimated at $2 million. Now, J.D. Morgan, he has been around forever. He has been on countless TV shows, uh, numerous movies and whatnot. Great actor, very versatile. Let's see what his net worth is. Uh, let's see. Fortune for him, things turned around, and he now has $10 million to his name. I'm sure a lot of you thought that J.D. Morgan was, I don't know, worth more. And $10 million is nothing to scoff at. Trust me, I wish I had an eighth of what these actors have, but, you know, it's $10 million. He's done very well for himself. Uh, Chandler Riggs, who grew up on The Walking Dead, 
since the age of eight. Let's see what his net worth is. Now, this is impressive. He's 21 years old, and at 21 years old, he is worth $8 million. So, good for Chandler. Andrew Lincoln, all right, the main man who was the highest paid actor on TV before he left The Walking Dead. Uh, let's see what he's at. Uh, let's see, just trying to find the highlights here. He's also been part of a number of top conventions. It's not uncommon for a star to earn anywhere from 50000 to 100000 on top of their guarantee. However, Lincoln doesn't necessarily take his pay home. As THR also noted, he's known to donate his proceeds to charity. While talking about the Walking Dead character to Forbes, Lincoln explained as an actor, it's a wonderful opportunity to play somebody who starts at one place and in every season ends up in another place. He reinvents himself and reevaluates everything. That's perhaps why he was willing to return for a Walking Dead movie after leaving the show in 2018. Showrunner Gimple told uh, Entertainment Weekly, it is really important for the audience to know that we are going to be continuing to tell the story of Rick Grimes in these AMC Studio original films. With the Walking Dead-related opportunities out there, Lincoln will surely add to his existing fortune, which sits at a very nice $16 million, according to Celebrity Net Worth. Melissa McBride, let's see, Melissa, good old Carol. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter noted that McBride signed a deal with AMC, which is said to include a sizable pay bump and would see the actress score an estimated $20 million over three years. Good for her. After the Walking Dead season finale, McBride's character would live on with a Daryl Carroll spinoff. So, very good for her. The focus, hard work have helped McBride amass a $3 million fortune, according to Celebrity Net Worth. All right. Now we're up to Norman Reedus, uh, the main star right now of The Walking Dead, known as The Walking Dead's hog-riding, crossbow-slinging tough guy. Daryl Dixon, Norman Reedus, is actually has a diverse resume that helps keep his pockets full. He has had roles in Blade 2, The Boondock Saints 2, which is All Saints Day, and Mimic, while also popping up in music videos for Sleater, Kinney, Lada Gaga, Bjork. Reedus was also given the opportunity to host a motorcycle travel show, Ride with Normus. As for The Walking Dead, his character would live on after the series, along with Carol in that spinoff. In 2018, Reedus locked in with the Walking Dead universe and was set to reportedly make up $350,000 per episode, on top of additional guarantees and advances in a deal that sources say could be worth anywhere between, check this out, 50 to $90 million. Damn. This is according to Hollywood Reporter. There have also been opportunities for lucrative convention appearances, such as San Diego Comic-Con, where sought-after stars, including Reedus, can easily command 
a $200,000 guarantee and pocket $500,000 per weekend. Wow, that I did not know. How much these guys uh, made at conventions, I knew they got paid, and they got paid quite well. Uh, you know, uh, an actor, the caliber of Norman Reedus, and how big of a star he is, can pocket half a million dollar for his appearance at a convention. That's nice. <laughs> anyway, you slice that, guys, that is nice. Welcome to Leonardi on Instagram, or for is Sam, three is giving us a thumbs up. Demented Pictures is joining us on YouTube. Welcome to Demented Pictures. I love that username. Uh, so, there's that's the deal on Norman Reedus. Let's see what his uh, net worth is right now. While Reedus might be successful nowadays, he recalled his early struggles to CNBC saying, I lived off a $12 a month for probably a good portion of my life. $12 a month. Wow. Those days are far behind him now as Celebrity Net Worth reports that he has a whopping $25 million. So there you guys have it. If you guys were wondering, the biggest... Uh, eye-opener for me was how much some of these stars make at these conventions. Uh, and, you know, and to do the math, I mean, let's take a, a big convention, the biggest one, Comic-Con. Yeah, it generates a lot of money. It generates a lot of press. But as far as revenue, you have the people that rent out their spaces the to sell their stuff. You have people that rent out booths. I mean, they got to generate a lot of revenue if just one person, like the likes of Norman Reedus, can command anywhere from two hundred to $500,000. And, you know, for Comic-Con to still turn a profit. There's some big dollars out there. I'll tell you what, guys. There's some big, big money out there. So, uh, Demented Pictures say, haha, so welcoming. We are welcoming here. We welcome everybody who comes to watch our show. So, let's move on a little bit. I want to get to this trailer uh, of Knights Templar horror movie, which is called Curse of the Blind Dead. Sounds interesting. It arrives March 2nd. So, let's go ahead and uh, watch this trailer. And then we'll read about the movie. By your supreme power, grant us the protection we are due. You cannot stop the apocalypse. You shall rise. It's just like every other day. Do you think we're safe? It's okay. We are the chosen people. The Lord loves us. And in order to continue our mission, he has presented us with two new brothers. And we are the chosen one. 
that looks interesting. All right, that looks interesting. My kind of movie. Synopsis. In the 14th century, a group of Satan worshippers, the Knights Templar, okay, there's a twist, are captured during a ritual and brutally murdered by the locals. Just before the execution, the Knights swear to return to haunt the village and the nearby forest. Centuries later, in a post-apocalyptic future, a man and his daughter try to survive against both the undead knights and a secret commanded by a mad preacher. Curse of the Blind Dead stars Aaron Stilestra, Alice Zanini, Francesca Pellegrini, and Bill Hutchins. Looks interesting, you know? It's my kind of movie. Welcome to Nihon on Instagram, who's waving. Uh, also, welcome to Shama, who's also saying what's up. Welcome to Gamer Z on YouTube. So, let's see what else we have. We can go through some more stuff. Uh, the Walking Dead's Lucille episode can make Negan even more like Rick. Oh, my God. I'm getting a little sick of the comparison between Nick and... Uh, I'm sorry about between Rick and Negan. The Walking Dead's flashback episode fo focused on Negan and his wife Lucille can make the longtime villain even more similar to Rick Grimes. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who played Negan since his series debut in season six, Andrew Lincoln, on the other hand, portrayed the primary antagonist. Portrayed the primary antagonist, Rick. I wonder if they got that right. They're calling Rick the antagonist. Anyway, since the series premiered in 2010, after starring in the zombie apocalyptic drama for nine seasons, Lincoln left the series, but he's set to reprise the role. Despite being arch enemies, Negan and Rick have more in common than most viewers realize. The season 10 bonus episode set to release in April actually set to release here in a couple of weeks at the end of February, only add to that notion. The episode titled Here's Negan will finally give the Walking Dead viewers an in-depth look to Negan's backstory. Before the outbreak, Negan was a married man caring for his dying wife, Lucille. Morgan's real-life spouse, Hilary Burton, will portray Lucille, a woman who tragically passed away from cancer in the early days of the apocalypse. Following her death, Negan presumably formed a pact of survivors known as the Saviors, with his barbed wire bat named after his deceased wife. Negan used his tyrannical leadership, which ultimately turned him into a villain. By the time Rick and his group met Negan, his violent reputation preceded the figure to showcase his intimidating power over the communities. Negan bludgeoned Abraham and Glenn to death with his signature weapon. He then attempted to control Rick's communities before the survivors band together to engage in a war against the saviors and Negan. Rick ultimately won, leaving Negan locked in a cell in Alexandria. Following the time jump in Season 9, it was revealed Negan obtained more freedom. The former menace was then given an arc to propel his redemption, centered on his actions in helping eliminate Alpha and the Whisperers.
with a planned flashback episode to detail Negan's life in the early stages of the outbreak, The Walking Dead can showcase how Morgan's character mirrors aspects of Rick. By documenting Negan's past with, with Lucille, the series will be given a chance to further humanize the figure once presented as a, as a ruthless killer. The Walking Dead has effectively peeled back the dynamic layers of Negan to reveal his multi-dimensional persona. An expanded backstory can bridge the gaps with Negan's past while showing that he wasn't always the bad guy. He does talk about Lucille very much and the flashbacks can unearth the trauma that remains in Negan's memory. Like Rick, Nick's decision, Negan's decision, I keep calling him Nick. I'm combining Negan and Rick, Nick, the bromance for the ages. Anyway, like Rick, Negan's decision stemmed for the love for his family. In some ways, Rick made violent decisions he believed would benefit his loved ones, even if those actions turned him into a villain. Negan felt as though he failed to keep Lucille alive, in addition to failing to put her down after she turned into a walker. Let's see if that's how it plays out on the show. After a mental spiral due to his moment of weakness, Negan vowed to become a stronger person when facing the apocalyptic world. That motivation led him into becoming the leader of the saviors. Technically, Negan's dark past, pa past paved the way for his role as the leader in a similar way that Rick became the man in charge of his respective group. Here's Negan, which is that title of that episode, will fully cement Negan as a version of Rick, but in Morgan's case, his character grew more twisted by being surrounded by the saviors. You cannot blame Negan being twisted on the saviors. In fact, it's the other way around. Thankfully, Rick had family members and key allies to keep him grounded as best as they could. As Negan's redemption continues in The Walking Dead, a look into the man's past could be very timely. And as you all know, out of all of the six bonus episodes, that's the one that I'm looking forward to the most. And all everybody on Instagram asking to be let into the broadcast. No. I appreciate you wanting to come in. That's not how it works. I apologize. But no. Uh, let's see. Uh, just reading what you guys are writing. Singer Chick writes... It really looks good, but I'll have to find some place. What you guys are talking about something else. Anyway, uh, let's see. This is just we're just going to go over this headline. Netflix reportedly is developing ten new original horror movies, and that's been lacking. If any of you guys have gone on Netflix in the recent past, there hasn't been any new good horror exclusively made for Netflix type of horror available for a while. You guys are talking about Clarice. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, tonight is the premiere of Clarice. It's on my DVR as we speak. I'm going to watch it tonight at some point. 
please watch it because tomorrow's show we are going to be talking about the premiere of Clarice. For those of you that don't know, it's about Clarice Starling, the character from Silence of the Lambs. The show takes place in 1993, a year after the Hannibal Lecter incident, uh, events. Uh, Rebecca Breeds is going to be playing Clarice, and also Michael Cudlitz, Abraham, has a big role in the show as well. So... By the trailers that we have seen, it looks like it's going to be an amazing TV show. It is premiering tonight. I am going to be watching it after we are done with this show. And I'm really looking forward to it. So I urge you guys to watch it. Because tomorrow, right here on Dead Talk Live, we will be breaking down the series premiere on Clarice. And if you don't know, it's on CBS. That's where you can find it. So, welcome to Kathy Valentine on Instagram. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to It's Rabia, who's also given us a thumbs up on Instagram. And looking at the time, let's uh, put away the news here. You know, we're going to look at a video today discussing horror spoof comedies. And there have been some funny ones. There really have been. Like the first scary movie you know, that was the title, Scary Movie, where what they do is a lot of the times they don't focus on one movie and spoof it. They take a couple years worth of horror movies and mix them up in one big bag and put them all in one spoof movie. You guys know how it works. Anyway, Watch Mojo did a, um, you know, a top 10 of some of the best horror spoofs over the years. So let's go ahead and take a look at their list. These films are frightfully funny. Welcome to Watch Mojo. And today we're counting down our picks for the top 10 hilarious horror parody movies. Shaun of the Dead. I love this movie. Is it clear? No. How many? Lots. For this list, we're excluding movies like Scream, which deconstructs the horror cinema genre, but doesn't directly parody them in an overtly comedic way. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. <laughs> number 10, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. You guys, uh, going camping? <laughs> Appearances can be deceiving. Tucker and Dale vs. Evil follows two friends who are mistaken as psychotic backwoods killers by a group of college students. An unlikely string of accidental deaths only increases their suspicions, as well as decreasing their numbers, and leave Tucker and Dale baffled and trying to keep it together. It doesn't matter what happened, what matters is what looks like what happened, and what looks like what happened is pretty nasty. The ever-popular Cabin in the Woods setting and deranged hillbilly stereotypes are beautifully skewered in this movie driven by increasingly violent misunderstandings and dark comedy that plays out like the goriest farce ever staged. For genre enthusiasts who have somehow missed it, consider this mandatory viewing. You say you are just working when this kid ran up and stuffed his Head into that wood chipper? That's a fact. That's a fact. Number nine, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Set in a world where slasher movie killers are real and even a pseudo-profession, 
Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon follows a documentary crew interviewing the eponymous aspiring killer as he takes them through his purported origins and his meticulous process for murder. I can't just sit here on the first night I ever met you and explain it to you. It's got to come from your own understanding of the process. The deadpan, awkward humor is a nice departure from more traditional horror comedy. And there's a wonderful contrast between traditionally filmed horror scenes and handheld camera work and interview scenes. While they regroup, I have a short window to prepare for when it all gets outside. Then I work my way back to the front of the house, and here's where the timing becomes critical. Plus, there are some appearances by established horror icons like Robert Englund. Freddy! Why are you following this girl? Who are you people? We're just sitting here, man. Oh, really? An entertaining and loving tribute to the slasher film genre, Behind the Mask is a criminally underrated horror parody. Number 8. Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein This is funny. Well, there you are. Shall I wrap it up? The oldest film on our list, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein sees a pair of unlucky baggage clerks, played by the titular duo, charged by the Wolfman with delivering crates containing famous horror monsters, including Frankenstein's monster and Dracula, to a museum. Naturally, when the creatures escape, plenty of hijinks and scares ensue, as the comedic characters bounce off of the serious horror ones to wonderful effect. Let's barricade the door. Come on, get it over there. Get in there. Okay, come on. Come on. Put your shoulder to the ground. Hold on tight. I agree with you, Khaleesi. I love this. This is hysterical. The film combines giants of both the horror genre and classic silver screen comedy into one unique package. It has rightfully often been called one of the funniest movies ever made. The next time that I tell you that I saw something when I saw it, you believe me that I saw it. All relaxed. Now that we've seen the last of Dracula, the Wolfman and the Monster, there's nobody to frighten us anymore. Number 7. The Final Girls while multiple movies on our list feature characters who are aware of horror movie cliches, The Final Girls takes this concept to another level entirely. Okay, so we're in the movie. Max Cartwright and her friends find themselves inside the slasher film Camp Bloodbath, a movie starring Max's deceased mother. She's on American Horror Story now. I'm Nancy. What's your name? Various ways in which the characters demonstrate awareness that they're in a movie, from their attempts to subvert the course of the plot, to even interacting with the titles are all hilarious and make for an excellent parody of the trappings of horror cinema. There's even some heart to be had. As the film has fun with common tropes, Max also has the opportunity to gradually accept her mother's death. Max, I'm not lost. I'm right here, right? You'll always know where to find me, okay? Number 6. Zombieland This Zomcom follows a group of four survivors of a zombie apocalypse as they travel the country in search of family, safety, and Twinkies. Not just any box of Twinkies, the last box of Twinkies that anyone will enjoy in the whole universe. The movie's more comedic take on the zombie apocalypse is a riot with a ton of visual comedy and over-the-top violence. And why am I alive when everyone around me has turned to meat? It's because of my list of rules. Rule number one for surviving Zombieland? Cardio. Cardio. There are also some great running gags, like the rules of Zombieland, as well as some surprising cameos that you'll want to watch on repeat. Bill Murray. Bill Murray, you're a zombie? 
Add to this an abundance of infinitely quotable dialogue and a cast of memorable and endearing characters, and you get a horror parody so good that people were willing to wait an entire decade for a sequel. Number 5. What We Do in the Shadows New Zealand has actually produced a surprising number of horror parodies and comedies, but What We Do in the Shadows is easily our favorite. Filmed in a mockumentary-style format, the film follows a group of vampire roommates whose lives are being documented by a film crew. Uh, guys, I think that we're not all pulling our weight here. We're not just pointing the finger at you, Deacon. You're a cool guy, but you're not pulling your weight in the flat. The vamps' varied and quirky personalities, as well as their interactions with their friends in the outside world, of which they are incredibly ignorant, are all hysterical. <laughs> a slice of life story than anything heavy on plot, the numerous darkly funny scenes will bleed you dry of laughter. Yes, now Google and it. Stu is the first human friend that I've had for a long time. With humans, there's a tendency to die. Yeah. Number 4. The Cabin in the Woods the board is locked! Oh, let's get this party started! Initially set up like a stock horror film, complete with a group of teenagers being menaced by supernatural foes in the locale from the title, The Cabin in the Woods swerves typical conventions in interesting and funny this ways. This is a cult Unbeknownst to the teens, they're being manipulated by a mysterious organization who deals in horrors to protect humanity. The attitude of the technicians, in contrast to that of their intended victims, leads to a lot of comedy as does the latter's gradual realization of what's going on. I'm the boss of my own brain, so give it up. Darkly funny, legitimately terrifying, and bitingly insightful into the mentality of the horror movie audience, The Cabin in the Woods uses familiar trappings to say something new and deliver a vault full of laughs and scares. Don't take this lightly, boy. It wasn't all by your numbers. The fool nearly derailed the invocation with his insolence. Number 3. Scary Movie Yo, pick up the phone. What's up? What's up? <laughs> I'm sorry. A spoof I, I from really top like to bottom, movie. Scary Movie lampoons then-contemporary slasher movies like Scream by featuring a killer in a ghost mask menacing teenagers who seem aware they're in a horror movie, while also taking every situation to its silliest possible conclusion. It's a coincidence. Greg's right, Cindy. I mean, what do you think we're in a horror movie? <laughs> Jam-packed with pop culture references, as well as plenty of juvenile humor, Scary Movie is a gut-busting comedy that spawned many sequels. And even if its follow-ups did not manage to live up to the original, Scary Movie is still a riotously funny spoof of horror films, and many other movies besides. Did I know you did last summer make any sense? Don't think so! Number 2. Shaun of the Dead This movie follows Sean, whose dead-end life is completely upended when the dead begin to rise. The dedicated slacker rises the to the occasion, but his attempts to rescue his loved ones go wrong in the funniest of ways. A spoof and tribute to the classics of zombie cinema, with Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg's signature snappy visual humor and dialogue, the film is an absolute blast, boasting quotable dialogue, fantastic action, gore, and one of the most creative uses of a Queen song ever put on film. Okay, Joan, it's time at the bar. Like 
How can you not think this is Shaun of the Dead isn't just a spectacular horror parody, it's also one of the finest comedy films ever made. So what else could top this slice of fried gold? How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! You know what? I recommend using this list as a playlist to prep for Halloween or, like, just the weekend or whatever. Hey, it would be a great binge-watch sesh. But number one is one of my personal favorites, as I've said before, so let's see some honorable mentions and then you will find out what we've chosen. I just, I get this sense that he's, uh... That he's evil and... Oh, come on, let's see what number one is. Before we continue, be sure to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Come on. Oh, young Frankenstein. I have one question, Dr. Frankenstein. Ah, oh, Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, Mel Brooks, classic, classic. Uh, definitely love that list. I agree with that list. Anyway, guys, we are out of time. Uh, thank you for tuning in tonight. Uh, if you want more information about our show, please visit our website, deadtalklive.com. Visit our uh, YouTube channel, which is called Dead Talk Live. Subscribe if you haven't done so yet. Give us a thumbs up if you're there right now. Check out all our other social media platforms that can all be found on our website. You guys are awesome as always. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night. And like I said, tomorrow we're going to be breaking down Clarice. So if you get a chance, uh, watch Clarice before tomorrow night's episode because we're going to be spoiling it for you. And so stay cool. And until tomorrow night, guys, stay walking. Good night.